Why, hello there, beastliness. Hello, hello. That doesn't sound too bad at all. Okay. Sounds pretty good on my end. All right. So, uh, are we officially underway? Because I feel like we're kind of officially underway. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is about as official as it gets. Uh, you'll be getting your certificate in the mail. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, then let's officially go ahead and get started and welcome all of our guests to what is going to be the inaugural Conjectural Technologies Venture Brothers podcast. <laughs> Gary, nobody cares about the Venture Brothers. People care. Well, just be quiet. All right, fine. People really need to know this stuff. With me, Professor Brock Savage, and of course, my longtime companda, Beast Lamode. Now, what this podcast is going to be in the long run is going to be a perspective, episode by episode, thrilling moment by thrilling moment of the Venture Brothers. One of my personal favorites, and I know Beast Lamode, one of your personal favorites as well. Um, I mean, I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I sit like literally over a textbook. <laughs> right. So before we get launching into what is going to be our inevitable inaugural very own uh, terrible secret of Turtle Bay pilot that doesn't reflect the rest of the series. Um, let's, let's talk for a moment about how we found the Venture Brothers and why this makes sense. So if you won't mind, go ahead and share what it is about the Venture Brothers that makes a podcast so necessary. Well, really, uh, it's kind of the, the brilliance in their, their ability to pants in terms of writing, <laughs> like, um, you know, so they're very much fly by the seat of their pants and it really pays off. Um, also, you know, they love English, like they love language. And that is very apparent from their shows, like, you know, their puns and down to the like, you know, how they have some of the characters talk like uh, it's really like a cultural hash brown, really. Like, you know, there's a there's, you know, a lot of music and, you know, 80s pop culture and crazy ephemera like this is one of the shows that you had to sit down with your your phone and google before your phone could even do that right you know actually uh, we are going to be covering a very special episode today we are not beginning with the initial pilot the terrible secret of turtle bay we're not even beginning with what is commonly referred to as the first episode of season one uh, you know, we are going to be beginning with the second episode. And in terms of the language, there was one word that stood out to me most of all in this episode and that just ties in perfectly with what you're just saying. And we are going to hold off 
on revealing what that word is until we get a little bit further along. And Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing you already know which word it is. Uh, would you like to put a wager down into which word it is? Yes, actually, I know exactly which <laughs> word it is. <laughs> yeah, yes. I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. Um, so you and I were discussing uh, setting up for this podcast. We were talking about how we came to the Venture Brothers. And I have been with the Venture Brothers uh, from the beginning, obviously, like many people, I was a huge fan of Adult Swim. And in 2004, I had just moved back to Wilmington, North Carolina, after most of my life away from my fair city in places like Indianapolis, Minneapolis, Chicago, Los Angeles, all around the country. And I had just moved back and I was living in a small basement apartment with my parents right down the street from the house my father had grown up in that his father had built, you know, with his hands, you know, a hundred years earlier. Um, he was a milliner. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in this base apartment. I'm 23 years old, right? I am sitting in this basement apartment. My parents go to bed and this is before my brother had moved down. Or maybe right after the time he, he moved right back. But, you know, we're sitting there and I'm a huge Adult Swim fan. I was actually going through and kind of looking at some of the things that were on the Adult Swim lineup at the time. Like Big O, right? And uh, Samurai Champloo and all these great shows. And then... It was really like the, the second wave, yeah. right? Like this was when we were just moving beyond C-Lab, <laughs> right. right? Beyond home movies, um, and they started getting off of the, you know, 11 minute format cartoons to actually getting whole shows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, you know, when we're sitting here looking at shows that made the Venture Brothers possible, C-Lab 2021 is definitely one of those. A show still so futuristic, we're a year behind. Right. Um, I'm so excited about next year. I can't even tell you. <laughs> it's going to feel like a koala bear. Crapped a rainbow in my brain. Um, but the secret ingredient is love, damn it. You know as well as I do that there is a show that put so much into the Venture Brothers that without it, it the Venture Brothers would not have been possible. And I'm not talking about Johnny Quest. What show am I talking about, Beast? Oh, the the one and, and the only tick, um, the the one of the most indomitable, uh, you know, kind of comic book properties out there. It, it's the Velvet Underground of comic <laughs> book properties. Like it's, it's, you know, not everybody heard it, but that, whoever yeah. did, yeah, yeah, not everybody read the tick, but anybody who read the tick was like, "This is amazing! I have to go out and do this." Yeah, it was one of the more um, famous quotes about the Velvet Underground. Is you know, they they didn't sell a whole lot of albums, but everybody who bought the album started a band. Right. <laughs> and the tick, in many ways, can lay credit to inspiring an entire generation of comic book creators who went on to craft some of the most unique, irreverent, and let's face it, downright fun adventure stories we've come across in a long time. And the reason that we picked the episode, which episode, Beast? Careers in Science. That's right. 
technically the third episode of the series, the second episode of season one, and the first episode story developed by none other than Mr. Ben Edlund himself uh, with the assist uh, by Doc Hammer. Yeah. So Ben Edlund, the creator of The Tick, uh, has a very special role in the development of the Venture Brothers. And actually, Beast, I was really hoping you could kind of elaborate on this a little bit for us. Well, and let's go ahead and kind of put it into a little bit of perspective. You might not know the name Ben Edlund, but odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, you have read his name at least 10 other places on television. Um, he's one of the more, you know, prolific writers and producers. Um, he's worked with, you know, guys like Joss Whedon from everything from like Buffy to Angel. Uh, he had a hand in creating Supernatural. And all of this was kind of born out of the, the brilliance of, of The Tick. So uh, to begin with, um, Christopher McGullough, before he, he became, you know, Jackson Public, he was working at a comic book shop while he was working in Rutgers or, or uh, going to school at Rutgers. So while he's, uh, you know, working at the comic shop, he creates this character or I'm sorry, this title. I don't know anything about it. I haven't read it yet. It's called Cement Shoes and Shoes spelled uh, S-H-O-O-Z. Um, and the comic shop printed it, actually gave him like, you know, a little bit of like backing on promotion and so he went to uh, Comic-Con in New York and the issue was so good that like it caught the attention of Ben Edlund, who literally had, you know, just sold the tick maybe a few weeks before um, to Fox. And uh, they were moving forward on like uh, animating and stuff. But that was still a hot minute down. They were still doing like, you know, um, development and all that for it. So he gets pulled in to do a... Uh, four issue mini series called oh bless it what was a tick karma tornado and then after that he gets pulled into the writer's room for both the animated series and the live action series and then chris mccullough unto himself um kind of starts you know working on a ton of stuff man he's got a really interesting kind of animation and uh design career on his own he uh is by and large a um, storybook artist and has worked on stuff like uh, Sheep in the Big City, um, wow. if you're familiar with. Yeah, and uh, PB&J Otter. Um, and he actually does one of the voices of uh, one of the more fun characters on uh, Welcome to Night Vale. No way. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, he, <laughs> he plays uh, Hiram McDaniels, the three-headed dragon. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so in other words, all this stuff that you love, he's touched. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and Almost like the guy who's like the oldest guy at the orgy. <laughs> right. <laughs> he knows a thing or two. Like, <laughs> right. listen to what he has to say. Yeah, there you go. So uh, with that being said, um, there are a couple things about Cement Shoes that actually carry over into the Venture Brothers, including the character of Brick Frog. Who was who's a guy in a frog costume who throws bricks? There you go. Oh, that warms my heart so much. <laughs> <laughs> like I actually, uh, I'm taking this opportunity um, while we're doing this podcast to write down every villain name and every superhero name that they come across, like a throwaway line or whatever. Like I'm going to have like a, a complete list of, of 
um, you know, roster as as they give it to us in canon. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I didn't know Brick Frog went went back that far. I'm gonna have to check out Cement Shoes. Yeah, I have actually never read it. So uh, luckily, Reddit has read it and helped me out with that. Now, one of the things that uh, we're gonna go ahead. I just realized that. Um, we were discussing kind of how we came to the Venture Brothers. Um, I realized when you and I were discussing this the other day that I have been with the Venture Brothers for as long as I have been with my now wife. And both have been equally as fulfilling as, as I could see as in terms of relationships. Uh, you know, the Venture Brothers has been very fulfilling, but uh, there are some ways <laughs> the Venture Brothers cannot fulfill me. <laughs> <laughs> uh the venture brothers are very nice but there are very few snuggles that i can get for the venture brothers although it is great to snuggle to and watch uh now i have i have three kids i have ha one ha two and ha three and uh they are 12 six and newly two and i actually was telling my oldest ha one that uh we were getting ready to uh do this podcast i made him sit down and watch an episode with me the very episode we're going to be discussing today and he absolutely loved it and he was like this is what you're doing a podcast on he's like yeah he's like can i help (laughs) i was like yes maybe don't tell your mom (laughs) we have an intern (laughs) the conjectural technologies (laughs) intern (laughs) what color what, what what color clean suit does he wear uh, like a light red. There you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> so um, we are 13 minutes in, and I think it's time that we go ahead and get started with our episode recap and explore this together the old-fashioned way via teleconference during this era of coronavirus quarantine. So let's go ahead and get started. And this episode opens, like many episodes do, with the Venture family proper. Uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. We actually open completely differently. I'm sorry, I am completely off. I apologize, this is why I can't. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is actually one of the things that uh, that interests me when you said that, uh, you know, you were were having a ha one look at this um, because, like, the the opener for Careers (laughs) in Science is literally, like, it's so dated, and we were on the like cusp of like that almost being irrelevant to us. Like, <laughs> so um, I, I don't want to date myself too much here. Cause I, you, you are, you are a, a fair bit younger than I am. So the, the film strip kind of thing that they open with, right. Where you had the projector, the, you'd hear the tone and then you would turn the knob that would rotate to the next slide, the slide projector. Right. So, uh, it opens with a slide projector film, and I think it said it was from 1971, right? And it was great because, you know, all right, hop on up, eat a good breakfast, and get ready for your career in science. And, you know, you get to work. It, it's really showcasing the great work that our uh, demigod parent figure of uh, <laughs> uh, Jonas Venture, uh, the super scientist Superman, right? Uh, Doc Savage writ large, who is built this amazing floating platform in space, and he's populating it with the brightest minds on Earth, as well as a whole lot of nurses. Like, did you notice how many nurses they had on the ship? Well, I mean, uh, he's hurting himself a lot. 
<laughs> walking around with a priapism. I'm sure he's just banging that around on everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I imagine he was doing a lot of banging with those nurses up there. Uh, and I thought it was so interesting. It's like, oh, yeah, we've got like, uh, you know, we've got like 200 amazing engineers and technicians and 74 nurses. Like, <laughs> really? You know, four of those are specifically set aside. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like 70 is for the gin pop. Like, yeah, yeah. He was equal parts Doc Savage and uh, Hugh Hefner. So uh, a, pl- a playboy about town and space. So sowing his wild oats, yes, man. It, there were a lot of like, oats, as we will find out later. I, I don't want to answer this question now, but just throughout the course of the show, who do you think had the greatest impact on the like human gene pool? Uh, Genghis Khan or, or Jonas Venture? That, that you know, it, 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 it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Uh, I think given enough on a long enough timeline, it may in fact be Jonas <laughs> Venture. He's playing the long game. Yeah, well, I mean, That's... isn't that really the secret to Genghis Khan's popularity? Uh, and I, I mean popularity not to imply that what he did to those people wasn't awful. But, you know, to be fair, in terms of uh, genetic success, he uh, he did have some. So with that being said, we open up with this slide projector footage, uh, an educational piece, if you will, exploring the opportunities. And then we get to my least favorite moment in the entire episode. <laughs> Like, can you guess what it is? Uh, well, okay, it's not. It's not the the headache. Although, as a parent, on being on the other side of a parent, like I get that now. Um, you know, having having two clones of my own. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to have to say, like, you're a very tactile person. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the vomit in the helmet. Oh, that that's a really good guess. No. That wasn't what? it. No, that, that wasn't it. The vomit in the helmet. Yeah, it was it was pretty horrifying. Although I love when Helper is trying to clean it off from the outside. <laughs> He's just trying to help, man. Like... Yeah. So, uh, all right. So for those who haven't seen the episode, here's what happens. All right. Uh, we wrap up with this film footage and then it, it's, re- you know, it reveals that it's in fact echoing inside Doc's head. And, you know, uh, Jonas invites you into the future, the future or Rusty, little Rusty Ventures going to, you know, playing there with his toys. We're going to go ahead and just say a spoiler alert for the whole series now. Like, so if you haven't watched it and don't want to, this is a good way to catch it. So absolutely. Go ahead. So Rusty Venture, little Rusty Venture in this film strip is playing on Gargantua One as it's being built. There's a panel that's open. He's got his little toy cowboy and his toy Indian, these little plastic figurines. Uh, maybe they were even called Bakelite back in the day. So uh, he's sitting there playing with it, and you know, it's like, oh, even young Rusty Venture is helping out. He's got a bright future, 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 and then it starts echoing and getting more shut. It just, it was killing me deep in my soul. Like I heard, it. I was like, please be over soon. Please be over soon. Go to my happy place. Please be over soon. And it just you kept know, going. Uh, my my clones have actually figured out how to do that uh, with two cell phones. With what? <laughs> two cell phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And of course, once that's done, it pans back and reveals the echo is taking place inside Doc's head, at which point he pulls out one of his diet pills to make the echo For go migraine. away. And <laughs> we see our brothers, Hank and Dean Venture, 
in the back seats of the spaceship while Brock is flying, pushing each other, not keeping their hands to themselves. Now, can you spot the first appearance in this scene? The first? uh, Is this where Helper first appears? No. This is the first appearance, I guess, uh, make mention of Giant Boy Detective. Oh, yeah. So now I can't read my Giant Boy Detective novel because Dr. Venture asks the boys to shut up and sit on their hands, at which point Dean complains. And then Rusty reminds him, you shouldn't be reading while you're flying anyway. It makes you car sick, at which point Dean throws up inside his spacesuit and Helper tries to wipe it off from the outside with a towel. Helper now, is quite helpful. So uh, I actually have a picture of the cover front and back. And would you like to know some of the titles in the Giant Boy Detective series? <laughs> Please do. Uh, Giant Boy Detective in the Tiny Tower Treasure. Giant Boy Detective and the Hands of Mercury. Giant Boy Detective and his Propeller of Mystery. Uh, oh, I, <laughs> I have one of those. Giant Boy Detective uh, let's see. And here's probably my favorite giant boy detective in the caves of nuclear fire. <laughs> but here's probably the one that's going to get, get the biggest chuckle out of you. Uh, giant boy detective goes West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That works. And the, the author is listed as Jackson public. Oh, that's, that's pretty slow. That's by golly. Um, <laughs> So let, he throws up in his spacesuit. You realize we are 20 minutes in and we are just now getting to the opener, like the opening credits. I mean, like this is Game of Thrones of like adult animation, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just deeper and deeper, bro. Um, so one of the things that I thought was really striking about, uh, so we, uh, our next scene is them getting ready to go into the docking maneuver. The docking maneuver is freaking hilarious. We'll get to that in just a second. One of the things I noticed here, so we get our introduction to Bud Manstrong, whom I know is one of your favorites. And uh, we, one of the things I really, really kind of caught me off guard was that Bud Manstrong calls Dr. Venture the illustrious Dr. Venture, which may be the last time we hear those words uttered. <laughs> well, and that's something I've always wondered about is, okay, so Bud Manstrong was, you know, you find out later on was a, a paper boy on the station. Yeah. So has he never left the station? Perhaps. So that really makes his relationship with his mother, which he only name checks in this episode, but then like later on in, uh, you know, guess who's coming to state dinner. Like, you really get a, a, you know, a good hold on that lady. Well, and um, Guess Who's Coming to State Dinner is another episode written by, or I'm sorry, co-written, story done by Ben Edlund. It's like there's a conspiracy. Or consistency. <laughs> That's so, I'm going to start pitching Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. It's not a conspiracy. It's consistent. <laughs> right. So uh, they start bringing him in, and Bud Manstrong turns the dock maneuver over to his associate, uh, Anna. All that, and Brock Savage, who, by the way, is wearing a gray, like, sweatsuit with a pair of, like, you know, 70s gym shorts on the outside. And, like, <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> style, like you know, beanie. Oh, dude, um, that, that's straight up Rocky. 
That's Rocky wear. That's what I was gonna say. Like you know, that I think that that's the actual like full on outfit from Rocky, and just like everybody else is in the space, he's like, nah, I'm cool. Like yeah. I don't even think take him <laughs> in his chest size. Like, yeah. So we get introduced to Colonel Bud Manstrong and Lieutenant Anna Baldovich, who uh, is throwing some serious game at Brock as he is coming in, and it's like, where do you want me to park this hot rocket? And it just gets even weirder from there. Like the sexual innuendo is unstoppable. Oh, it was it was in her window. Like <laughs> it's like, oh, this rocket's so big. It's really tight in here. It's almost like they were made for each other. Which one? Jesse's like, they were made by the same person. They were made for each other. <laughs> My favorite part of this whole scene is when Brock's like. Brace yourselves. I'm getting. We're, we're coming in. <laughs> like, hold. You better hold on tight. Brace yourselves. <laughs> uh, so, like, after they park the rocket, and that's when you get a little bit more exposition. Good old Aaron Sorkin hallway walk and talk, mm-hmm. and that's when you get the first mention of a movie night. Oh Shark yeah, machine. Yeah, Sharky's machine. <laughs> so we get uh bud man strong he's talking to hank and dean and he's explaining to them about a disaster that took place on the station years earlier when one of the crew went mad and invited everyone out for a movie night in the docking bay in the uh in the shuttle bay and while everyone was watching sharky's machine he opened the docking bay killing everyone now this puts the idea in the boys heads that there is, in fact, a phantom spaceman. And they are also exposed to the idea. Of what, and this is where we find out that Bud has been there since he was a paperboy on the station. Uh, this is also where we find out what the impetus for Dr. Venture being on the station even is, which is there's a problem. And can you explain what the problem is? Well, at this point, like, it's just a light. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a light. <laughs> There's the most vague light. thing in the world. Like, so we've got um, a light that just says problem and it's on and it doesn't reveal what the problem is. It just reveals that there's a problem somewhere in the spaceship and there are instructions about what to do if this light ever comes on. And what were the instructions? Call Dr. Venture. Call Dr. Venture. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Dr. Venture being dead. Uh, Rusty Venture goes up to try and fix the aforementioned problem. And of course, honorary Dr. Venture. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. That's true. So, uh, this problem light looks so familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks like Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Actually, that was definitely a good shout out. Uh, and I love them for subverting like every expectation of evil robot for seven seasons <laughs> right <laughs> uh fun fact do you know where the name hal came from was it an acronym go down i'm sorry go up one letter on h-a-l we, we don't have that kind of time to wait for me to do this What's in my head the, so. uh, uh, i b m <laughs> Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So 
I, I don't know if that's ever been verified, but it's something I, I remember coming across uh, when I read the book back in high school. Yeah, I was that guy. Um, <laughs> so, well, and to be honest, I watched the movie and I didn't get it. So I read the book and then watched the movie again and I got it. It all made perfect sense. So I, was, I think you're the only person who's ever had that. Like, I made the mistake of going back and reading 2001 uh, after the movie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Well, it makes everything make sense because all the stuff that is just being represented with no additional context gets additional context, which is what this podcast is all about. Extra context. Also, uh, this is not the first really like low key uh, space odyssey uh, reference we're getting like later, like it shows up later on. uh, I'll love the word quiz. Right. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, one of the other things I noticed, they're, uh, they're sitting there. Our next scene is them, uh, is Rusty sitting at the panel trying to fix the problem. He's whoa, whoa, pretty... whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, go ahead. Back up just a step because this is, this is like hella important. Okay, hit me. Like Rusty comes from very much the entitlement of growing up in this and not only that being like the trust fund of it. And so he's just marveling in the technology and assumes that he can just pee in his spacesuit and there's a urinate like collection device. Like he lives in a world where like, you know, he takes certain things about technology for granted and their intuitive intuitiveness of operation. Um, we almost forgot to mention how important him having to go to the bathroom this entire trip has been and will yes. be. So we definitely don't want to forget that because Rusty, by God, has to pee. And Bud Manstrong offers him the opportunity to go unpack his extra liquids uh, when they're in the hallway. And when they finally get to the uh, control room, Rusty's like, man, you know, I'm just going to enjoy the benefits of science and space. We have these urine collection things. And what does Rusty do? He pees himself. Quite visible. But he looks like he's having a good time. He, <laughs> just go, man. Just go. <laughs> so we get to the point rusty is of course still basting in his own juices uh trying to fix this thing and it's uh not working he's just pushing buttons he doesn't know what he's doing he has no idea what's going on he hasn't read any manuals he could have informed himself about this but didn't doesn't and won't that that's his whole thing isn't it (laughs) didn't won't doesn't yeah (laughs) yeah It's a certain kind of entitlement, man. It's like he, he walks into the room. He's like, I've been doing this for years. I know exactly what I'm doing. Except and he, he does. Like, I have no clue. what I'm doing. <laughs> right. So one of the things that I thought was funniest about this scene, uh, right? Well, actually, there were some brilliant moments. This, this whole episode is eminently quotable. But one of the things that's happening right behind it is Brock is smoking. Smoking in, in a space, space station. like they they don't address it they don't talk about it it's just happening that's cool well i mean of course like whoa whoa, like if you're going to have the most swinging space station in the 70s yeah like you better believe every like third panel is a mini bar you can just kind of (laughs) (laughs) you just like 
figured out smoking in space like day one. You just hit it with the palm of your hand like the Fonz and it like pops out with martinis. And then when you say, hey, condoms fall out of the ceiling. (laughs) Right. Uh, The era before AIDS. So we've got them trying to diagnose this light. Rusty's hitting buttons. And we get to one of my favorite parts in this whole episode, which is the boys are trying to tell him if the light is off or on while he's flipping (laughs) buttons. And because he can't see the button, the control panel is on the back, the front side of the space station, but the problem light faces the rear door. So you can't see it from the control panel. So you've got to have someone standing by there to tell you whether or not it's gone off or on. Right now it's on. He's like, how about now? Nope, still on. How about now? Oh, it's off. It's on. It's off. It's on. It's off. It's on. It's called blinking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What I really love about this episode is... uh... It, it starts to showcase, you know, the the damaging psychology of, of people who live that lifestyle. Like, you know, Johnny Quist was not coming away okay. <laughs> no. And then it's like being raised by the guy who was raised by wolves. Like, <laughs> right. you're really confused about the world because he's thinking you're a bunch of wolf shit. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> being raised by the guy was raised by wolves yes i i I get that yeah like everything's out of context you're like i mean do we really need to pee on the trees you know so to them it's like you know learning beds totally normal you don't have a learning bed yeah (laughs) you know one of the things that we'll get to with some of the later seasons too is i you know when we get introduced in some of the later episodes like the orb for instance to the uh, the venture forebears it actually really got me thinking about what jonas's dad must have been like you know or was jonas's dad just great and his son was excellent and then his son is just a colossal failure at everything like well is rusty venture the failure because of who he is or is he a failure because of how he was raised i get the impression that like jonah was the one that really like uh shit the bed in terms of like family (laughs) jonas i'm sorry um yeah so i mean we don't know again a lot about how jonas was raised but you get the impression like he just kind of took that like you know legacy super science business uh which was once a a milliner um and and automata building um like factory and you get the impression that, like, you know, this was the guy that squandered it all. Like, uh, I guess to kind of put it in, in a contemporary context, like, he is the epitome of Boomer. Of what? Boomer? Boomers. Yeah. This okay. is like the caricature of Boomers. Whereas I would say everybody else after that, that second generation, is the caricature of Generation X. Okay. You know, one of the other things that, uh, that kind of stands out to me about this is Jonas seems like the kind of guy who was automatically great at everything and didn't have to worry about anything and just assumed his son would be the same way. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, my kid's going to be strong chested. He's not going to be like, you know, thin. And, and, this, and here's another thing. Um, uh, we have to make decisions right now, uh, uh, Professor. Um, so how no major spoilers. Okay. never mind. We can't just we can't. redacted. I'm not anyway. So you were saying <laughs> we were saying that we 
are in this scene between Bud and Anna, right? Right after these called blinking. We were getting the scene with Bud and Anna discussing it, uh, their relationship, because Bud is finally ready to take the relationship to the next level and is talking about marriage. And Anna and Bud have been together on the space station alone together for six years. Right. And he only mans up in the, the like, you know, presence of Brock Samson. So first off, this is not genuine. Second, there is a clear like Madonna complex here. Oh, absolutely. What, like... what What's the list of all the stuff that he's doing for her? like writing her sweet love notes, holding hands, kisses on the cheek, like all these really great writing things on the boots. Yeah. Like gentlemanly <laughs> things. Right. You know, Bud Manstrong is an old fashioned gentleman. You know, he's in no hurry. We've got a great thing going here. And in the presence of Brock, he is suddenly terrified that he's going to lose her because he saw the game that his girl was spitting at this man. Right. And this is where we get to my favorite word. This is where we get to the <laughs> word friskalating. <laughs> very, very. In fact, I want to say this is the only time. I've ever heard it used except outside of 2001. Uh, well, bear in mind, friskalating, uh, the, the reason it stood out for me, and I can only assume that this is true for the Venture Brothers as well, uh, was its use in um, the Royal Tenenbaums. When Owen Wilson's character is doing his reading, and he's like, via con Dios, <laughs> and he threw his thing over the saddle and and galloped off into the friskalating dusk light. <laughs> like it is such a it is such a word choice. And you know, it just it was just that that little that little choice. And that one of the things I love most about the Venture Brothers is just the level, the layers, the detail, and everything just continues to build up episode after episode after episode, where you almost can't appreciate anything that happens after season one unless you've seen season one you can jump in but you're missing so much if you don't go through and do it all you know man actually uh it's funny you say that um venture brothers was the show that like i watched and then there were like they made jokes about things and then i i got into that thing just so venture brothers was funnier to me (laughs) like no joke the only reason like I really got into Star Trek was the Corbinite maneuver joke, like way, <laughs> way, way down the line, like eight seasons down. And like the JJ Abrams films were a thing that were happening while all this was going on in life. <laughs> like, right. but like, yeah, just that whole body of work. I was just wrote off. I was like, eh, whatever. I'll, you know, not really. Oh, there's a Venture Brothers joke. I want to know why this is funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. With a heart full of napalm. Who are the Stooges? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, (laughs) Your Stooges. I wasn't in the Stooges. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, But I digress. Uh, Because what we learn in this scene is that Anna is frustrated. Why is she so frustrated, Beast? Because she just just needs it, man. Her biological clock has been going off for years in every direction. She needs some sweet, sweet loving. And she is not getting it from Bud Manstrong. With a name like that, you'd expect to be uh, that that man would be straight up Mario with uh, the amount of pipe he's laying, but that is not the case. And instead, 
Anna is frustrated. In the presence of a real man like Brock Sampson, what is it that they say about him later? Men write him letters and women name their vibrators after. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love, like, you know, uh, Brock Sampson as, like, you know, just everything that all that is man. He's, like, the, the most Steve McQueen guy in, in the fucking like universe he is uh, excalibur from watchmen yes <laughs> <laughs> so uh we get to dr venture trying to fix this uh the boys are paying attention to light helpers off doing helper things and uh brock samson is in the bay right looking for stuff out there and oh i'm sorry helpers with brock uh yeah. at which point um he radios in he's like you know yeah. there's you know these panels have never been opened like what are we doing here yeah and of course doc's just like buttons i don't know let's just flip some buttons and he accidentally turns off the gravity so he's floating his diet pills go floating off and of course mm. he turns the gravity back on which no, makes no, him... like oh wait am i what am i missing uh probably one of the the most again uh kind of adding to the list of Herculean feats of why Brock is the most man of ever man, like to ever man. Um, that's when he gets ejected into space. No, he doesn't get ejected until after Rusty turns the gravity back on and falls and hits his head, accidentally hitting the bay door button. Or do I have that backwards? I think I have it backwards because he okay. opens the door. He shoots him out. Okay. They get him pulled back in. Um, and then he like is fumbling around, closes the door. And then he hits another button, like activates the gravity. Like they're intercutting it kind of at the same time. And then when they come back, uh, yeah, that's when he finally like, you know, figures out which gravity, like which button activates the gravity. And he like, you know, brains himself on the console. One other note, uh, while Bud and Anna are having their conversation, Anna sees Brock go out the airlock and screams his name at an inopportune moment. And that is when Bud Manstrong is asking her what, if anything, would prevent her from marrying him. And she sees Brock fly out the airlock and she screams his name. And of course, Bud Manstrong doesn't see that. All he hears is his girl say another man's name when he asked her to marry him. Oh, yeah, yeah. That brings us to Doc. Brock's back in. Doc's knocked out. What does Brock say when he gets he comes back in, frozen shut, his eyes bulging out of his head, like you know, red <laughs> snot rocket, like just yeah, it blows a snot rocket. And he's like, <laughs> I'm gonna go lay down. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's not like I'm gonna need a minute. He's like, I'm just, I'm gonna go lay down. So <laughs> go take a fiver. I'll be fresh. Yeah. Doc's down. Uh, the boys are like, oh, my God, dad's dead. Dad's dead. And I love the way they're trying to wake him up by hitting him. Right. Yes. And then like Dean, of course, Dean's like, oh, my God, dad's dead. And Hank just starts kicking him. <laughs> <laughs> this will help. I know. I'll throw a barrel at it. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> 
I mean, it makes me wonder what CPR even was in the uh, the learning beds. Like, yeah, apparently you know, they haven't made it there yet. That's like poking that's the body. Junior year. Uh, but <laughs> you may now, come across the corpse. <laughs> Brock gets back in, right? And one of my favorite parts about this episode is the journey that Helper goes on. Because Helper does not come back in. We just see Helper hurtling through space. <laughs> and it, it, things get worse from there. So Dr. Venture is knocked out and he opens his eyes. And who does he see? Uh, the 12 foot visage of his like <laughs> jungle adventured father. So did you notice that every time we, we look, so he's having this vision, this apparition of 12 foot tall Jonas Venture. Okay. First now, appearance. Yeah. Venture. Yeah. And one of the crazy things about this is that every time we see Jonas Venture, he's in a different outfit. <laughs> like he is wearing different clothes every time we see him. He starts off with like the jungle suit, then it's a leisure suit, then he's wearing a space suit, then he's wearing his lab coat and goggles, then it's back to the jungle suit, and then he's wearing a dress suit with a snorkel. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well and what i love about it is like when he finally starts arguing with his dad that's when he starts to realize he's psychoanalyzing himself right. <laughs> <laughs> well by that logic you think it's your fault it's like oh. yeah <laughs> i love it when that's one of my favorite like kind of tropes with like hallucinations or imaginary characters or psychological breaks is like when when the the illusion turns to you and says like what do you want from me i'm a projection of your mind yeah i I, i'm a figment of your imagination i'm your psyche's breaking down point so okay hit me after he sees like the huge 12 foot tall jonas and he like starts to psychoanalyze himself has a couple of dr phil moments right and this is when it cuts to like one of my favorite scenes um, because this is when you really learn a lot about like the Venture Brothers as individuals, um, not separately, but like you know as as what they're going through. <laughs> um, so you walk in, uh, or it cuts to, uh, and Baldovich is checking on Brock, and uh, you know I guess Brock his whole thing is like you know well all I need to do is just lay a little bit of pipe, I'll be fine, <laughs> right. And he can, like, that's kind of a, again, he doesn't have superpowers, except for, I guess you can, he, he knows when somebody's in his car, and right. literally like, every line he says works. Yeah. So he gets the spacesuit off, and like, you know, they're making the beast with two backs. Ba-dum-cha. And uh, that's when the boys peep in, and like, they're totally just watching this. And Hold like, on, you, we, we, we skipped a scene. Because right after uh, Rusty and his dad are having their moment, it's like, Gargantua is perfect. It must be your fault, right? You know, oh, well, right. it can't be my fault because I wasn't even here. Well, you think it's your fault. Obviously, that's why I'm saying it, right? Uh, right. The boys are actually running to get away from their dead father, right? They think he's dead. They're running, and they're, they're so tired. Did you, uh, did you catch why they were tired? No. What shape is Gargantua one? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> 
Oh, that's brilliant. They had just been running and they stop, at which point, you know, they assume it must have been Phantom Spaceman who killed their dad, right? Phantom Spaceman, right? Phantom Spaceman killed their dad. And now Phantom Spaceman is after them. So they're running, except they're running on a circular space platform. So they just keep going and going and going. Okay. And then that's when we get to Anna and Brock. And like, just if you had any question in your mind about how hardcore Brock Samson is, okay, uh, the answer is his response to when Anna asks how he's doing. He's like, oh, I coughed up a big chunk of something about the size of a kiwi fruit, but I don't feel like anything's missing. So I think I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) At which point she puts his hand on his lap. It's like, is there anything else I can do to help? He's like, you can get out of that spacesuit and put the helmet back on. Or I like it with the helmet helmet on. on. (laughs) Uh, But because, and we missed one of the most important parts of this whole thing, man. We never see Anna's face. Not once. We see her take off her helmet. She's on her helmet when she's first introduced. I can't believe you missed this. Uh, she takes off her helmet when she's first introduced, and it is like something out of a cartoon. Like she takes off the helmet, and then her hair just explodes out. What was the name of the mom from the Rugrats? Oh, I have zero clue. I, I... Rock, yeah, I never really watched the show, but I'm aware that it existed. So, like, she had that weird, like, triangular hair, and that's kind of what Anna Baldovich has got. Kind of like a face. parted, face... like a parted afro, but not yeah. like an afro. Yeah. So we apparently her face is so hideous that when they're during the hallway scene, when she takes off her helmet and like her hair pops out and they see her face, everybody looks away. Yeah. <laughs> like they're embarrassed to look. They're horrified by what they see. They just can't stand it. So when Brock's like, you know, I like it with the helmet on. <laughs> 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 which of course is is the impetus for them thinking it's phantom spaceman yeah because when hank and dean look inside they see uh brock and anna baldovich getting it on and they assume that brock is fighting and beating up phantom spaceman and their play-by-play of their <clears throat> fight is the funniest part of the entire episode pretzel bender (laughs) (laughs) right dude it's like oh my god what's he i mean look like he that's the only weapon he's got like (laughs) get him brock (laughs) 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 like the best is when they figure out it's just Lieutenant Baldovich, and they are having sex. They immediately get disinterested, like as teenage boys. Like, yeah. oh, well, this doesn't solve our Phantom Spaceman problem. Like, what? <laughs> what does they say? Uh, oh, that Brock's got that one. It's like, oh, that means Phantom Spaceman's still on the roof or still on the still on the station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at which right. point uh like going back to the the helper through line like oh poor dear sweet helper <laughs> right <laughs> like and he finds his way moment. back onto the space station and they no, take no, the shit out of him he doesn't find his way back onto the space station he crashes into the hull no that's right he's the hull breach yeah he is the hull breach he crashes into the hull at which case 
<laughs> like <laughs> they kick the shit out of him and throw him back outside. <laughs> hold on, hold on, because before we get to that point, we actually have Jonas and Rusty. At which point, Rusty finds his pills and starts popping the pill to get rid of the uh, the uh, phantasm of his father. Now, okay. Okay, so in, in the, the, the episode just before this one, Deal of Dangerous, you know, we, we know that he is doing uh, a lecture um, at a university, but he's also there to pick up prescription drugs for his tripolar disorder. <laughs> <laughs> and like... <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, I always hated that they didn't bring up, like, tripolar. Like, I love the, the diet pill insinuation but like i wish they'd have taken that step like oh yeah my diet pills for my tripolar disorder like <laughs> well you know i gotta tell you this is why it is so important to watch every episode and why every episode is so rewarding the more you go on yes you just keep getting more and more out of it uh it, one of my favorite little gems in this episode is once he pops his diet pill do you know the last thing jonas says to his son is <laughs> He says, you see, son, the solution was in you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's they're layers, man. Layers. (laughs) (laughs) And then helper who has crashed back in the station, causing a hole breach, comes out and he's got a bucket on his head and he's wrapped up in some debris and some canvas. And the boys see him in the hallway. And who do you think they think he is? Phantom Spaceman! And they start kicking the ever-loving crap out of him. Like, they go in, they are just... But but they're also like... They're really working some stuff out psychologically. Like, they get (laughs) over that line where you're, like, physically asserting yourself, but then, like, you start letting emotions out. And they're like, you killed my dad! Like... (laughs) (laughs) like they've been and that was one thing that happens like kind of consistently is like they get emotionally worked up over like the idea of phantom spaceman hurting some people like uh you know when they first find out like you know they they have that like like, little welling up moment and then of course you know when they finally just like just beat poor helper god uh (laughs) just well, and that's not even the worst thing that happens to poor Helper, because right after they get like right after they beat him up, they eject him out the airlock again. Yeah, and it's almost okay. Like very clearly, they make it known to the audience, you know, to the viewer, that this is Helper, right? But then, like you know, do they think? Do you think that like they you know saw like Helper like fall out of the tarp and they just threw him in the airlock anyway? they were so convinced he was phantom spaceman never underestimate the power of denial oh dude and at some point i'm sure one of them said if it was helper he was possessed by phantom spaceman like what we did (laughs) was just like (laughs) right um there's also a scene here where anna and bud are having a conversation this is after anna has uh just received the brocking and (laughs) She like Bud is like, I know what you did in there. She's like, I don't have to take this. He's like, You already took it in the 
lap <laughs> from not me. <laughs> I don't know what's gotten into you. I know what's gotten into you. And that's what's gotten into me. <laughs> right. You already took it in the lap from not me. Oh, so pathetic. So the boys have ejected Helper again, who's back out into space. We flash back up to Rusty, who is uh, with the power of his diet pills, uh, calmed the mental eidolon of his dad and has then started looking at which buttons to push again. At which point he notices there is some orange goop coming out of one of the panels, which he assumes at first is Tang. Now, um, we've got to repair the whole breach. So Rusty sends Brock out to repair the whole breach because, of course, Brock can do anything. You need me to float in space and weld a whole a breached hole together. Sure. I'm Brock Samson. I can do this. Uh, but Bud Manstrong is going to go with him. Right. And it's really ominous the way he says he's going to go with him. We expect bad things to happen to poor Brock out there. Uh, but that's not quite what happens uh, because once they get outside, that's when Bud Manstrong is like, well, you've earned her love. You've gotten, you've plucked the flower of the woman I loved, but you know, treat her well and if you ever harm a hair on her head of which there's a lot and then he makes a fatal mistake bud puts his hand on brock's shoulder now that causes brock to go full brock on him he starts punching him like dude we have a space fight in which one person is fighting and the other person is just withering under the concussive force of an unstoppable Brock Sampson. Well, I mean, in and space, no one can hear you scream. That's <laughs> that's right. Although we did manage to hear quite a bit, including uh, Brock while he is breaking him. But Manstrong says, this is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I love about uh, that whole interaction is you get like the only glimpse into um what baldovich looks like you know just one little throwaway line about like uh you know her she comes from uh the family who invented the mr mouth game (laughs) right and so i had to google what mr mouth was and it looks kind of like uh this weird version of hungry hungry hippos where there's a a little south park canadian in the middle (laughs) <laughs> their head hinges all the way back um yeah so i just imagine like baldovich's like you know mouth reaching around to like the side of her neck yeah yeah the eyes are close set and slightly like slanted downward uh you know like there's no real nose to speak of deep set eyes yeah I'm, I'm actually looking at a picture of it from 1976 and it is that like imagine a talking hamburger with the Hamburglar's eyes, like eyepiece, with Grimace's actual eyes. Well, and this is really before you understand, like, the implications of a world with accepted super science, um, where people can just look entirely bizarre and, like, function relatively normally. Guys like, you know, Dr. Dugong and, and Wide Whale. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dr. Dugan. It's not a manatee. It's a Dugan. Yeah. Um, Had to look up what that was when that episode happened. But yeah, like, you know, that's really like after after kind of understanding that, like, 
makes me really wonder what's going on with her face. And and just for <laughs> <laughs> and, and just for any kind of clarification, like uh according to the the official uh you know Venture Brothers uh book, Go Team Venture, um by a guy named Kenneth Plume and uh, of course Jackson and Doc Hammer. Um there's no design on her character model with a face. Like there's no version of her with a face. There's no face that existed. It, it's just a kind of a MacGuffin gag. It, it, it is the clover field <laughs> of characters. Uh, you can't look directly it's at the, it. Her face is the, is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's when, uh, Rusty opens up the panel right while uh, Bud was getting his ass handed to him. Uh, that's when Rusty opens up the panel. It turns out it wasn't Tang. It was melted plastic or Bakelite. And he turns out had ruined Gargantua 1 years ago when little Rusty was playing with his cowboys and Indian toys and had accidentally left them inside the panel where they had eventually melted causing a short. Which means when Rusty removed the melted Indian or the melted cowboy uh, from the panel, the wiring inside, the problem light went off. Rusty's like, job done, and we can leave. And then he gets another spacesuit, takes the wet spacesuit that he peed in at the beginning of the episode off, throws it onto the control panel, and changes into the new one. And they are leaving, pulling out with their spaceship. Uh, their giant phallic spaceship <laughs> uh, out of the space station as Bud Manstrong is trying to get Anna to let him, or I'm sorry, Lieutenant Baldovich to let him back into Gargantua one. And he is begging and Anna Baldovich wants him to apologize. At which point we think it's the end of the episode, except we get a shot back at the control room where Rusty's dripping wet suit. <laughs> His salty leavings. Is dripping effluvia onto the control panel, causing the problem light to start blinking again. Roll credits. And uh, of course, for now, those keeping track, uh, Helper is still in space. And then you get the, the post credit scene of him uh, smashing back down to earth, like, you know, uh, somewhere like in front of the venture compound at the venture brothers compound. I mean, how lucky was that? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm sure he, he, you know, he did what he could, you know, he, <laughs> right. <laughs> what I love about it is he's getting tangled. Like he, there's that one like throwaway shot in the middle of the episode after, I think the, the first time he's been kicked out. Is this a satellite? Yeah, like he's just right in the satellite, <laughs> yeah. like tangled up. Like, and I think that that's where he's trying to get info. He makes a call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, like you get this total non sequitur of a woman staying on the street in some big city in an alleyway, making a phone call. Starter fans like, hold on, I'm getting a beep in. And like, she's literally getting beeps in because it's helping her. She's like, oh, somebody was trying to send me a fax. <laughs> Again, like one of those like jokes, I'm very interested to to see if Ha One understands. Like, <laughs> I don't know that he's ever seen a fax machine. <laughs> that is actually he's he's been in my mom's house. Fair uh, enough. He has seen a fax <laughs> machine. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I imagine, so, like, did, we, did your mom get, like, the, the weekly, like, Motley Fool joke updates? Like, still facts no. to her? No. I, I, no, not, I don't think so. Oh, I think she'd enjoy that. But anyway. <laughs> Pro- she probably would. Uh, she has been in quarantine uh, by herself and is will, wilting, is withering under the lack of social contact. So we are trying our absolute darndest to, you know, continue to call her again. We got ha one and ha two and ha three here. So, you know, we're trying to maintain contact with her, you know, you know, several times a day. Uh, Cause it's one of those things like, you know, she's kind of trapped in the house all by herself. Like, you know, gotta, gotta do something. But on the bright side of this, something that she has done, it includes her taxes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, that is the, one of the great benefits of the uh, the quarantine, the coronavirus of America, you know, first quarter 2020 is uh, here we are with all this time to do the stuff that we haven't had time to do before. So with that being said, uh, I we are able to draw this episode to a close. The family has returned home. Helper's back. It's almost like everything has reset after this episode like a good cartoon is supposed to but one of the key differences between this animated drama and most other cartoons is that when something changes it stays changed and there will be consequences to what happened in this episode that bear out over future episodes to come yeah see i had written this whole thing about all of that and then you were like no future spoilers like oh well, let me skip ahead well, 12 pages let, it, in know, my journal. How, how about this? How about this? Uh, we, uh, we currently have uh, just a couple minutes here. If you want to go through and spoil future episodes, we can have a spoiler section right here where you can tie big chunks of this together like you are Charlie Day in front of a board with a whole bunch of red yarn. Uh, I have a board uh, actually set aside for just that thing. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> 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 I told you, man, like, I, there, there's some things I want to explore in this show, and, like, there, there's a lot of threads here. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> literally and metaphorically all right so fair warning fair warning spoiler freaking alert like you better just if you have not girded your loins for spoilers be prepared we're going in like brock samson let's do all right this. so uh way 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 down the line like in season seven uh season seven did a lot to really just take everything you thought you knew about you know, the baseline of the ever-changing venture universe and just boom, like there's an even deeper crater now. And you find out that come to find like the the whole time uh, problem is, is not actually a label problem is a uh, acronym and kind of like helper. Now I didn't look up what helper Mm -hmm. stands for, but I know like, you know, it has like the little letters indicating that you're getting more than one letter um, in the acronym from, from a thing and problem is actually the same thing it's it's problem as as uh, colonel gentleman likes to say and it stands for progressive biological life extension module so through season seven you find out that uh jonas venture was a victim of movie night and i don't want to go into too many spoilers on that 
Uh, but when they rescued him in order to save his person, they stuck him in the problem. And uh, so the problem light coming on had zero to do with anything about what was happening on the space station. Like that little cowboy could have sat there the entire time, the entire like, you know, life of that space station when it was safely retired 20 years ago. But no, instead Rusty is psychologically damaged and has this weird guilt complex. So he literally takes a trip to space based on guilt. You know, doesn't say, I don't know anything about this. Let me find somebody who does. No, I'm going to space. I'm going to fix this. Uh, So he does. And also what I love about this is it retcons the first appearance of Jonas Venture into the same episode of the first appearance of Jonas Venture. Wow. (laughs) That's deep. Yeah, you get like... That also throws his interaction with his dad's apparition into a new light as well, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, like, if somehow, you know, uh, the system... Because you find out, like, I mean, it's it's science fiction writing, you know, based on, uh, you know, Johnny Quest and Hardy, you know, Hardy's book, Boy. So there's a lot of uh, deus ex machina um, in the machinas. So, (laughs) so like you find out like this machine has incredible capabilities that can, you know, sustain him off of like, you know, roaches and scorpions, then why couldn't it psychologically project this into his son? Right. You know, um, and there's actually a, a kind of a, you know, dual scene with this, with him and another character where they're having like, you know, the, the brain battle. Um, but yeah, no, like, Everything was great until literally like Rusty went up there to ruin things. So here, here's my theory. And we talk, we'll, we'll talk about this later, um, you know, as it comes up in other episodes, because, you know, it's kind of a concept we were talking about. But like um, there was no necessarily quote unquote like villain of the episode like there are in other episodes. Um, but, you know, really like look at what Rusty was doing. You know, he, he ejected Brock. He went up there and like ruined a relationship. I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't like, you know, great to begin with. Um, Dude, Brock is the villain of this episode. I I was going to say Rusty. I mean, Rusty crashed the damn space station, man. (laughs) Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't. Rusty went up to try and fix it. And then obviously through his urine soaked space suit. It's kind of hard to say uh, over the thing, which in turn (laughs) makes it go bonkers. But like Brock is the one who is uh, just casually rampaging through the life up there. Dick first. Yeah, like <laughs> he is. He is just he is the bull in the china shop who can also weld a whole breach. So uh, that gets us to what we might colloquially call the end of spoilers unless you had something else you wanted to uh throw in there here at the last minute uh rosebud was the sled (laughs) that's really about all i got um and that has nothing to do with the venture brothers yet i think they make a rosebud (laughs) joke later but we'll get there (laughs) next time gadget next time so with that being said i think that we can officially say that we can wrap up our very first inaugural potentially terrible secret of turtle bay pilot episode of the conjectural technologies venture brothers podcast oh yeah so this might with- even be a thing where like somebody donates to the patreon 
and then gets this piece of garbage because they donated (laughs) 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 behind the scenes footage (laughs) (laughs) we'll release it in 15 minute increments to be like okay i know this is a 75 minute podcast about a 22 minute long tv show (laughs) but hey man at least you get five of them right (laughs) Once you hit the Saint Cloud level, you can you can get this. Uh, and each each MP3 will be individually signed. Yeah, <laughs> we'll autograph your MP3. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, oh oh, before we pop off here, I need to let you know what uh, Helper stands for. It's actually the Humanoid Electronic Lab Partner Robot. The E is gratuitous. Oh. <laughs> yeah the 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 lowercase e is just e for extra extra letter <laughs> reminds me of that uh that 30 rock joke uh was it we sold ge we're just g now now they're same song <laughs> like yeah we'll buy a vowel we'll put it in there like yeah yeah okay well, with that being said, thank you guys so much for joining us on our inaugural episode. You know, this is really exciting uh, for me and for Beast because uh, this may be the one time that we get to chat every week, guaranteed. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we did not do, Beast, was uh, describe, you know, kind of how we knew each other because you and I have known each other as long as the Venture Brothers have been in our lives, too. Very true. So, yeah. This is uh this is really in many ways a uh, a a perfect vehicle for us to you know really stay in contact not just with you but with our listeners and the show that has meant quite a bit over the years even if we don't get quite as much of it as we might like but that's because it is all freaking quality. I'll actually I'll send you a video about that. We'll discuss that in a later podcast about their uh their their production process and why it takes so long it's actually kind of a beautiful thing um but yeah we'll we'll hit that later on well with that beautiful thing on the near horizon we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up thank you guys so much for joining us i am brock savage and i am beast lamode thank you guys for joining us we'll catch you next time go team venture